Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. So this is a bit of a non-traditional episode. Mary Ellen Bartley is not an author, but a photographer of books. I thought it would be really interesting for all of you to hear about her perspective on books and how she views them as objects. And also her photographs are like my favorite things in the world. So I wanted you to hear from her. As far as bio goes, Mary Ellen Bartley is known for her photographs exploring the tactile and formal qualities of the printed book and its potential for abstraction. She has exhibited in numerous institutions, including the Queens Museum, the Walker Art Center, Houston Center for Photography, Parish Art Museum, and the Watermill Center. One aspect of her practice is working in unique libraries and archives where she responds to collections and their habitats. Bartley has realized projects in the private libraries of artists such as Robert Wilson, Jackson Pollock, Lee Krasner, and most recently the Italian painter Giorgio Morandi. Born in New York in 1959, Bartley received an, a BFA from Purchase College and lives and works in Sag Harbor, New York. She is represented by Yancey Richardson Gallery in New York and the Drawing Room Gallery in East Hampton, New York. Enjoy this very special episode and then go online at Mary Ellen Bartley, I think with underscores, and go check out her work. She is amazing. MaryEllenBartley.com. All right. Welcome, Mary Ellen. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This is a very exciting episode for me, a little bit different. So thank you for uh, rolling with it and coming on my show. Oh, it's so fun. I'm, I think your energy is so awesome. And since I've met you, I've just been exploring your whole kind of world and, and where we intersect. And it's really, really cool. Oh, amazing. So for listeners, let me just tell you this story. 
I I can't even remember how I found your photographs originally. I'm trying to remember, but I came. Oh, I feel like they were maybe in the drawing room in yeah. East Hampton. No, no. I, maybe the first are Yancy Richardson in in Chelsea. Okay. Well, anyway, I saw them in Sun <laughs> Gallery, and all of your work that I have fallen in love with is about books. Stacks of books, stacks of white books, which is what I ended up buying, stacks of colored books now. You treat books as an artistic sort of artifact. Everything from the spines to the pages, inside, outside, and you make it into this gorgeous visual thing. And so I, of course, fell in love with these as I am such a huge book lover. I fell in love with your photos. And then, you know, we started reaching out, talking to each other on Instagram as we do in this day and age. And then I was so lucky to get a chance to meet you in person just a few weeks ago. So it's like such a full circle, awesome moment to see the person. Because when you look at a photo, I never, you know, you don't know. It's sort of like a book. You don't know necessarily much about the person. And you, anyway. So so fun because, um, yeah, I think you had posted something and said, I love these photographs. I'm not sure who did, who made them, you know? Yes. <laughs> They're in my house and I look at them every day. And then <laughs> someone else wrote, well, that's Muriel and Bartley. And that's, and I got a, I got some kind of, um, you know, hashtag alert and that's how we connected. And then to do it in real life was really cool. I mean, remember we, we met in Sag Harbor and I had a ton of work up. I had a residency at uh, the church in Sag Harbor and, and you visited and you saw a lot all at once. <laughs> I was overwhelmed. It, I was like in heaven. I, I feel like I could live in a room just surrounded by your, your work. It's truly amazing. And I don't in any way want to put you on the spot, but you know, I love books so much. Do you also love books? Yeah. You know, I think um, you, you're a writer and you come from such a different angle than I do. I originally started photographing books because I was searching for an object that I could return to again and again and kind of arrange and make a very almost abstract still life. You know, something, I I love this painter, um, Giorgio Morandi, and I had actually learned of his work through books when I was in art school many, many moons ago. And I always, and then he had a big show at the Met in 2008, and I had really seen a lot of his work all at once. And I said, I need to go and find my object that I'm going to like, maybe take a year to look at, you know, that was my plan. And I tried bottles and cans and things, and they were just too domestic. They just weren't sort of general enough for me. And then I saw this stack of books at a friend's house and it had those remainder lines, you know, that like would books. I mean, no one, no writers like to see those, but (laughs) the strand used to always have like, you know, bins of books with these remainder lines. And anyway, just seeing a stack of books with sort of like two black lines just looked so intentional and sculptural. And I just started photographing these paperbacks and there was an entire world in there. And I still returned. And that was like, what was that? 11 years ago. So I'm still looking at this sort of like beautiful, quiet abstraction that I find by just stacking books and arranging them slowly and looking at them with natural light on them. So that was the beginning. And then it's it's sort of like the gift that keeps giving. Every time I'm always looking at books now and I just find new aspects to kind of focus on and I, I collect 
the Pulp Fiction, the very bright books you saw, that was from the Strand. I had I had a foot surgery and I was living on 13th Street. And when I could finally like walk with my crutches, I would go to the Strand every night and find one or two, um, you know, really colorful paperbacks in the 48 cent bin. And I kept them for, you know, months and months. And then I finally started playing with them. And so I have, I don't know, there's, I have a huge collection now of um, Pulp Fiction books. And I, you know, I kind of, I'm always suppressing the content. That's really one of the things I do. There's something very campy, very interesting. Another artist would go in totally a different direction with the same material. I'm very interested in intentionally suppressing the content, the narrative, the noise maybe. So you know it's there. You know know what a book contains, but I'm playing with that in making it a very calm, quiet composition or something that's almost impenetrable, yet has so much visual interest and engagement that it's a different way to engage with a book, a book as an object. So interesting. So when you read for fun, like do you, like the books that you love, do you ever feel tempted from a content standpoint to do something with those? Like, do you have a book you come back to? I'm not to, not to ask you for a specific book, but just books that you love, like, would you ever make a stack of those or that goes against your whole theory? It kind of goes against it, unless there's like sort of, you know, a poetic way to Mm -hmm. do it. Because I sort of think of my work as almost tonal poems, you know, they're sort of compositional and musical and more more like poetry so if there's there is text that sometimes comes in but it's very open-ended it's not like I love that book and don't you love this this paragraph and it's not about that so much it's about playing with how to keep that open-ended how to maybe have that idea but not spell it out you know I did this whole series at Grey Gardens in East Hampton. I had access to the really faded, damaged books that were kept since the Beals lived there and the house was going to be sold. And I got in there and there, the titles, they over, they kind of underscored or hinted at the entire kind of fable of the Beals. So I included the titles. I kept them very simple. I didn't go into the campy aspect. That would have been too easy. And it's really not where I'm coming from. This was much more subtle and poignant. There were titles like, um, you know, This Bright Summer on a book that was ruined and faded and almost like feral, you know. There was another title that was humorous, but kind of sad, released from nervous tension, you know? So it, 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 it was a portrait of their library. And that, that brings me to like, a, you know, just to explain a little bit that I do two very different approaches when I do these books. One is I collect books because of some trait that I, you know, find really interesting about them, like the white colors or the top stain of a of a hardcover book that happens to be in all sorts of interesting colors, or maybe it's the, um, what's it? And papers. And papers. Thank you. I did a whole series on that. So 
you know, I find all these different traits. But the other thing I do is I go to libraries, um, specific libraries, and find my way. Like I say, what is it about, like, how do I represent this library? You know, what's my way in? How, you know, so I have to sort of be there and, and be in the place and, and kind of come up with a strategy to photograph it and to show it and to make a project out of it. So I've, I've done a number of artist libraries, which I find super interesting because it's more of a visual, well, often, yeah, visual artists. So it's sort of like how do visual artists, what, what do they have? What are Jackson Pollock's books and how might he abuse them? But I don't want to spell it out like a historian might or make very definite, you know, kind of conclusions. I want to keep it very much open and very much suggestive and, and very much about, wow, here's this book that these artists held and, and referred to and there was part of their life, you know? So there's all those things that when I'm in a specific library come into play. And it's, it's, it's a very different approach. It's almost like doing um, an assignment, you know, like an editorial assignment as opposed to just an abstract in my studio composition. So those two things um, feed each other nicely. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. 
So what, what would you do here? Can you see the books behind me? Yeah. Well, you have a lot of color-coded books, bookshelves. They go there. all the way around. <laughs> I think I would make some big stacks of color with you. <laughs> We, we may have to do that at some point. I feel like that would be so fun. What have you learned about your the people who collect your work or who buy your photos? Do you know anything about them or have you met them? Tell me about you know, that. That's so interesting because you, as an artist, you make all this work and it goes out into the world. And I don't know much about it. I mean, unless it's an institution or a foundation where they then show the work, you know, and I have some connection to them it's just out there in someone's you know living room bathroom who knows (laughs) but uh just recently actually I but I want I try to make books of my book projects yep I love this idea of like a book of books yes yes. ultimately I would love to do that with every project but as you know making a book takes a lot more or just as much time as making the pictures so I would need like another year and inside of every every series because I seem to jump from one to the next like someone says oh you did you did Jackson Pollock now you should go and 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 do Picasso you know there's all these connections and that I'm always following and I would like to take the time to or maybe collaborate with you know some bookmakers I've done it I, I think I have three now and um one just was acquired by MoMA Oh, wow. That's amazing. And guess where they found it? Where? Instagram. (laughs) How is that possible? It's a a crazy world that we make these really interesting connections, right? Yes. You know all about the power of it. I'm much more of a a dabbler, you know, I'm not, I don't do it every day, but it's really interesting that, you know, my work can find its way into, into interesting places. It's really just, you know, it's just, I'm really grateful for it. And it's really just um, a wonderful thing. Amazing. You should do one book with all your series, you know, like a retrospective type. Yeah. Not, not, not everything, but like a little bit from each one. Yeah. That could be interesting, right? Sort of seeing how they connect and how one thing leads to another. Yeah. It sounds like a good book. Yeah. I, I would buy that. <laughs> but would you, would you publish it? Uh, I, <laughs> That's you know, the hardest thing for artists. No, I know. Actually, I've been approached by a number of like photographers or, you know, we just don't do that type. We only do a couple books at Zibby Books, but I could certainly help you. I could try to help you find somebody. Hey, let's do I, it. I just spoke to In all your stuff. free time, Zibby. I know, I know. You're like a sideline photography. Business. I love photography though. So this it would be a joy, but I did just meet this book packager the other day who says he could, you know, he makes, he does all the design and, and makes it. I just don't know who then then I guess you just sell it to, you know, like one of the big Tashin or... Honestly, there's most photographers pay for their own books. Mm. And then, you know, they're distributed by, by, you know, DAP and places and hopefully they make the money back. But that's kind of the state of art publishing now. Hmm. Unless you're an established, you know, there's a crossover, there's some larger market, but yeah, so... That's another reason. It's sort of like a little bit prohibitive. The thing, the thing about your work, though, is that even though it is great on Instagram, and I think it's particularly great versus other photographers, perhaps because it's so like visually arresting. Like each image, even on a small scale, is translates very well. I don't know that wasn't the right word, but but when I was there and could see all the 
photos in person. Like there is nothing like that. They're so, there's something with the texture and seeing them up close that makes you stop in your tracks, which is hard to convey on a small scale, but... Yeah. Then for me, like this idea, my photographs don't really look like photographs. Often people are like, oh, I like your paintings or like yep. your drawings. Or, and I, I, I kind of work until I get some kind of transformation, you know, somehow the print sings and it looks, you know, it looks like the right kind of print for the, the project I'm doing. And it does look sort of non-photographic in a way because, yeah, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to push it in that, in, in, in different directions. And, and do you do you sell so if people want to research and buy your prints like the actual ones that you you know make yourself and yes. all of that <laughs> they can go to your website right maryellenbartley.com you know that will um i mean i don't sell directly at all i sell through my galleries and there's gallery information there and i have a show coming up very soon may 21st is opening at the drawing room in east hampton Oh, that's why I was talking about the drawing room in East Hampton. I knew there was something that had to do with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that'll be like their first summer show. And what about people who just love what you're doing, but maybe they can't afford a whole print? Is there any way to get, you know, do you make like posters or anything? You know? I don't. No, I don't. I, I haven't. You know, maybe book a book would be good, but I have, yeah. No, I'm just doing the prints now. And, and you know, they're a lot more affordable than paintings. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, well, I really just wanted you to come on so that people would go check you out, follow you on Instagram at Mary Ellen Bartley, right? Is that right? Yeah. What is it? Mary Ellen underscore Bartley. Mary Ellen underscore Bartley. And if anyone is going to be out in the Hamptons between, when does it close? May 21st until when? May 21st to June 20th. June 20th. So if you're out in the Hamptons or you feel like making a road trip and checking out her work in person, you should go to the drawing room in East Hampton during that time. And you'll see what I mean about how beautiful they are. And if nothing else, you'll get a chance to admire books in a whole new way and follow another artist who is equally obsessed by books in a different way. Anything I'm forgetting that you'd like people well, to know? I do have you? work up at Yancey, Yancey with a Y, <laughs> Yancey Richardson Gallery in Chelsea. There's some work up on the wall there now. Um, they usually have some work of mine, you know, in the gallery to see. So that's another way to see it in person. Yancey Richardson is a great gallery anyway. So there's always yeah. lots of cool stuff there. So that's another fun, yeah, less less of a trek if you live in the city than going to the Hamptons. But uh, <laughs> I think that is fun. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for just chatting with me more about your work. I hope that listeners find your work as amazing as I do. DM me if you're listening at Zibby Owens on Instagram and just tell me if you also adore these photos because I really do. Anyway, thank you, Mary Ellen. Thanks, Zibby. See you on on, uh, Instagram soon. See you on Instagram (laughs) soon. (laughs) Thank you. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. 
And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.